Hey ladies, welcome back to Her Story. I have the one and only Dee Dee McGuire. She is the queen of radio. She is in 50 plus cities across the country. We are so proud of her, how she loves on our community, even her team. So I just want you to welcome today Dee Dee McGuire. That's the crowd. I'm helping the crowd. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us, like, tell us, I'm so happy you're, you know, you, I know you're busy and you have a crazy schedule, but I'm so happy you joined us today. But, you know, talk to us about how did you get started? So um, how I really got started was um, I was going to school to really, um, I wanted to uh, be a news journalist. I wanted to be an an anchor, news anchor. And so I was studying journalism at um, Texas Women's University and I went off there and I got to finish a complete semester. <laughs> and then the reason why, and we joke about it on the, on the air, on the radio, um, is that my mom was a single mom. We didn't know what we were doing. We were filling out the financial aid. All my brothers and sisters had already gone off to school or moved away. My brother was in the Air Force. So there was nobody at home to help us fill out the you know financial aid. So as I'm in college, they said to me at TWU, where's your financial aid? It came in too late. They were like, you can't come back. Sorry, you got to pay your first semester, blah, blah, blah. You know, it just became a really big hassle. So I went back home to Colleen Fort Hood and I um, went to the local college there, you know, started taking classes there while working at a country radio station. So because I thought, well, if I'm going to be a news anchor on TV, radio, I can learn something. And so as the receptionist, they were doing a, a live auction on the radio, on the air. And the guy on the air called me in and he goes, hey, we're auctioning off this toy. Can you describe the toy to the listeners? And I said, sure. So I start describing it to to, you know, to him and the listeners. And he and I were bantering back and forth and it was funny and it was fun. And I go back to answer the phones. And the next thing you know, next day, the owner of the radio station comes in and says, my wife heard you on the radio uh, yesterday. And she says, we need to train you. And I was like, OK. And so during my lunch break, I would go and learn how to do the whole radio thing. And I would go up there on weekends. And then that was it. And I ended up sending my tape across town to the black station there, like the R&B station. And they called me and they said, we know you have no experience, but we like you and we're going to give you a shot. And that was it. And within two years of me getting on the air, you know, learning how to do radio, um, I ended up in Dallas, um, a top 10 market. Wow. Wow. Listen, I know you have stories for days about that country Western station. Oh, that I'll tell you what happened as they trained me. And listen, my name was going to be Misty Morgan. (laughs) <laughs> that was going to be my name. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you what happened, what made me leave. And I got so upset because I had been practicing and practicing and they were like, yay, we're going to get her on the air. And I overheard the morning guy, um, country guy say, we can't put a black girl on this radio station. I remember that. And I remember going <gasps> and I left. I was like, I'm hurt. You know what I mean? Like, I was just like, so like, wow, I had been working there for about a year or so. And it was like, I thought like we were family. I thought they liked me. And when I overheard that, that's when I knew I was like, well, uh, maybe I should go. And then again, I I sent my tape, uh, took it over there across the street, you know, to the black radio station and they, they hired me. Amazing. Amazing. So how long, how long have you been in radio? How many years? Um, Well, forever. And if I tell everybody, you'll start calculating my age. Okay, well, we don't have to do that. We'll just say you've been in there a long time, but you worked just working your way all the way up. And um, 
Do you find that people who are interested in being in the radio, do they try and bypass those steps? Yes. I always say that. Yes. Because here's the thing. You know, Colleen Fort Hood is like at the time we were in market, you know, every every city is ranked in terms of the size and the market. Right. And, you know, everybody wants to get to the number one market was New York City. Everybody wanted New York, L.A., Chicago, Dallas. These are top 10. New York, L.A., Chicago, Dallas, Houston, you know, Atlanta. Everybody wants to work in a top 10 market. And I was in market number 183. <laughs> And I remember saying, and at the time when I started, I remember saying to everybody, I am going to, because I got into radio, I was like 22, 21, 22. And I said, I mean, I really got that position. And I remember telling everybody, I'm going to make it to a top 10 market by the time I'm 25. I kept telling everybody, I'm going to make it to a top 10 market by the time I'm 25. I ended up making it to K104. I was 23. I got to K104 before this. um, And I was like 23. Wow. Wow. And, and, and I'll tell you what the biggest lesson was there when I made that move and I was there for maybe two years. Um, I remember leaving and I remember my mom saying to me, um, she said, um, you know what? She said, you hit your goal too soon. And I said, what? And she said, you hit your goal too soon. She said, and then you just started coasting. And she said, I want you to always remember, never give up on dreams. You always have to dream. And she said, and when you when you achieve a goal, set another goal and then another goal and another goal. Because when you give up and she says, when you have when you don't have dreams anymore, you die. And I was like, oh, and I get what she was saying. You know what I mean? Like, meaning, what are you doing it for? Like, you have to always dream and think big and think more and think that you can do it. You know what I mean? Like, um, Everybody has a, a goal, like you know, in their life, whether it's to be the best, look, the best mom, the best dad, whether it's to be get up every morning and say that I'm going to give to and, and and donate my time. You know what I mean? Like you should just have a goal. And I got what she was saying then. So. Well, I think, listen, the advice of our moms, it can go so far. And you, just, and you I know when she gave that to you, you're probably like, now what? Yeah. <laughs> But I understood what she was saying. And she was right. And like, she was like, achieve a, you know, go for another goal. And so, and that's what I've done. Um, And not just rest on my laurels, as they say, and just, you know, you got to keep going. And when, when I started, I did, a, um, I worked on Doug Banks show was a syndicated show. And I worked on his show as the co-host and it was heard in like 60 cities. And I remember being the co-host saying, well, I want to host my own morning show. And then I thought once I hosted my own morning show, then I said, I want to syndicate that show. Right. Like it was there you go again with another goal and another goal and another goal. And so that's what I did. Uh, You know, what's one thing you wish you had known when you began your career? I wish I had known personally um, how difficult it was going to be to 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 find that person that could deal with what we do. You know what I mean? I wish I would have known that. Um, I I think personally it's done, you know, truthfully, there are times when I wonder about, did I not have kids because of what I do? Many times you'll meet a lot of women in radio who don't have kids. If they do, they may have one, they may not be married. So it's really tough on, on relationships. So I wish I would have known that a little bit more. And I wish I would have known that getting up at 3.30 AM was hard. It's so hard to get up. How do you look when you're on vacation? How long does it take you just to get 
out of that mode of getting up at 3 a.m. Because I think about my own husband, like he gets up at four and he does his devotion and all that kind of stuff. I'm not up with, I'm not up there with him praying at that time, but it takes him when we do break, it takes him a minute. Like he'll be like, man, I slept to 7 a.m. That's, yes. that's, oh. oh, I feel like I slept to noon. And you know what? We all think, I know for me and, and uh, Lady Jade and who I work with, we all in White Gary, our producer, we always say that when we go on vacation, we're like, we're, we're going, oh, I can't wait to sleep. And then none of us really sleep that long. We get so mad because our body clocks. Um, it takes me about four days before I can really feel like I can sleep a little bit longer, but it is definitely tough. And I will tell you, my husband is the best husband ever because there was a time when when things were so hard at K104 and we were going through so many different transitions. And I felt like I was getting beat up by our um, manager about certain things. He would say things about my voice. He would say things about, you know, you didn't do this right or you didn't do that. And it was so bad that I would have hard times getting up out of bed. And I remember my husband one time, I mean, he literally was pushing me. And one time he said to me, this is bigger than you. Get up, go. This is bigger than you. And I was like, okay, yeah. Oh. I like that. Isn't it he, nice? Yeah, I like that he's your cheerleader and he's just your support. And um, so, how does he, he supports you that way? But are there other ways how, of how he supports you and encourages you during that time? Honestly, this man, I've been very blessed, and I waited for him. And um, and there are a lot of people didn't know, didn't think that we would probably last this long. He's younger than me. Uh, but he has always just been that guy. He'll pray with me. You know what I mean? Like he will say, we need to pray. We need to go to church. We need to do like, this is what he'll do. He'll say, sometimes it's time for us to go. You know what I mean? And again, honestly, I gotta be honest with you. We're not every Sunday people, but there are times when it hits our spirit or his and he'll say, we need to go. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I'm married to a pastor. So that's the only reason I go every Sunday. That's how to be like, you like, okay, well, all right. Well, we'll see. We'll go maybe next week or something like that. But I live with one. So okay. <laughs> that's the only reason I'm consistent. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I don't feel so bad. <laughs> okay. All right. You know, which, you know, being in uh, radio and just your career and, you know, you have your foundation and so on, you know, what are some hurdles that you um, personally have to face and how did you overcome them? Um, I think the, the, for me, the biggest hurdle is making sure that I still keep my personal life private, right? And um, being respectful of family members' privacy. You know, one time I, I said something on the, on the radio and my mom got mad and she said, stop telling my story. And I said, but your story is a part of my story. And she said, but you're telling my story. And I, and I had to be sensitive to that. Right. And I was like, and so there are certain things that I won't say um, about my, my personal life, my family members or anything like that. So that, that's that part that I go, oopsie daisy. You know, one time my husband, I joked with my husband because I'm older than him. Listen to Stephanie. I swear to God, I, I, I joked with him about, I joked on the air one time that I went to high school with his mom. <laughs> and we had a character call up and play the role of his mom. And when I got home, he said to me, don't do that. I didn't like that one. Don't do that one again. And that's all he said. And I knew then. And I have a husband who will not raise. He doesn't raise his voice. And that's something the yin and the yang. Everybody would probably think that I would be with this guy who's like loud and boisterous and, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, he knows how to just say to me, that's enough or don't do that. And I know I'm done. 
Listen, that's my husband too. I call him quiet storm. Yes. Because he's very quiet. It takes a minute for him. I mean, he's very chill. And I can count probably on both hands when, I mean, we've known each other. We'll be married 23 years. And I can count on both hands how many times he's actually been like, yeah. I'm like, oh, who are you? Like, yeah. He can, I love that about, love that about him. But yeah, I can so identify with that. Yeah. I'm mean, honestly, my husband, um, he doesn't never yell. And I remember a friend of mine told me this. A friend told me this a long time ago. There was a guy I was kind of dating, you know, before my husband. And he would be like, I'm a man. I'm a man. And he would always, I'm the man, I'm a man or whatever. And my girlfriend said, if he's a man, he doesn't have to always say it. And if he was a man who wanted to get his point across, he wouldn't have to yell either. And that's true. And what I found with my husband is just him just saying, that's enough. I know I've gone too far. He doesn't have to yell at me to tell it or anything. Now, when he does, and which is very rare, I'll go, you're yelling at me, <laughs> even though I've yelled at him. <laughs> Look, I'll go, but you, you never yell at me. <laughs> I'll find like, I'll like turn it into like, uh, like one of our children getting scolded. I'm like, Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. <laughs> Me too. Right. Cause you go, Oh my gosh. I have to, and then, cause I know that I've taken him out of his character to, to, to yeah. yell or to say something. So then I go, I'm sorry. Wait, Oh my God. You're yelling at me. Mm-hmm. Look, there's some single woman who's going to be listening to this and be like, I wish I would. Uh, uh-uh, honey, you ain't in a real relationship because I could not marry somebody who is just like me where no. he'd be battling or all this kind of stuff. But no, I, listen, yeah. he, he's quiet storm. I'm thunder sometimes, but yeah. And you know what I found too with 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 uh, marriage and you know and I always say to my husband this is the longest relationship I've ever had in my life, um, but one of the things that I have learned though with you know being in this 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 marriage is that um, you got to know yourself you know like you got to know who you are and what works for you because sometimes everything that you want isn't what you need either you know what I mean or it's kind of like, you got to watch that. And I think I had to figure that out. And I now know, I knew what I needed. And I'm with you. I didn't need another person who was just as crazy and, and loud or whatever. And the funny part of this is, is when, when I'm not on the air and when he and I are out, he comes across more as the like gregarious one, the outgoing one. And I'm normally in a corner sitting there and, and you know, what's so crazy. And then guess what people will say, Didi is so like stuck up. And you're like, no, Didi was just sitting in the corner, just chilling because I'm I do this for you know when you're on all the time for a living like like we have to get on the air and people don't realize this you know if I'm dealing with something at home or I'm upset you know my husband or something on the air I still have to get on and hi everybody we're here right so when you're off the air and you don't have to turn on you're like I just want to chill I just want to sit here yeah and observe and I'm not being stuck up or mean I just want to chill yeah I I've had to realize that um, even I can so identify with that. My husband's kind of the same way after he preaches or whatever he's done that week. He I had to tell him, I was like, please stop inviting people over, because what happens is I have to turn it into entertainment because he's so tired and he's just kind of sitting there. And we've had like Super Bowl parties where he's fallen asleep or um, you'll look over and you'll be like, he's asleep, y'all. And uh, Yeah. Oh, well, I'm notorious for that. If people come to my house, they'll say, I'll tell them I'm going to bed now and you guys can stay here, but I'm going to go on to sleep. They already know if I walk in the room, it's over. I'm yeah. sleep. Listen, your real family and friends get you. They know you're not yeah. being mean. They just know like, dude, she's tired. Dude, she's yeah. living. She got to get up in about two hours. So yep, there you go. And I'll just, I'll go, I'll disappear. <laughs> 
That's good. That's good. All right. So who are three people that who have been like the most influential to you? My mom. Mm -hmm. And I know it's a cliche. But I think the reason why I have to say my mom and I know for a fact why I have to say my mom is that, um, you know, she was a young teenage mom at 16 having kids. She had five kids by the time she was 23 and her perseverance and I, I don't know, her ambition, her get up and go has always been inspiring to me. She never quit. She never stopped when life was throwing things her way. She never stopped. She, you know, I remember um, when she got her divorce from my stepfather and you know, our whole life changed. You know, we had to move to an apartment and this and that. And I remember it was Christmas time and my mom said, we're putting up a tree and we're doing this and we're having the family over. And I was like, in this small apartment. And she said, it doesn't matter. It's still home. And home is where the heart is and home is and we're going to do this and it's tradition and that's it. And I remember that, you know, um, recently, my my about four years ago, my other stepfather passed away. <laughs> I know this sounds funny, some other, but I'm not laughing about that. It just sounds like my mom has been married three times, um, but they were together 20 something years. Oh. And um, she moved here. To, she was living in Colleen Fort Hood and she moved here to the Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, but watching her even just do that, make that move, set up home. We still go over there for holidays. That tradition is still there. And I just look at her and go, now, isn't that something? You know what I mean? All the heartache and the pain that she's endured, this woman keeps going. So I would have to say her. Um, another one who inspired me and who was influential was Tom Joyner. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and the reason is because I was working on a, the syndicated show called The Doug Banks Show. I was the co-host and we were here in based in Dallas at ABC Radio Network. And Tom Joyner's um, studio was right across the hall from ours. Right. And um, I watched that man walk into work uh, almost every day. I just watched him come in. He was all about his business. He I watched him create a company you know, reach media. I saw him take ownership of his show. I just watched how he did things and how he carried himself and how he was really about business. And, his, and I just looked at that and go, I'm going to be like him one day. I'm going to be like, I used to always say, I'm going to be like Tom Joyner. Yep. Um, and then the third influential person would probably be Doug Banks, who I worked with. He was also one of the top syndicated personalities. And uh, he passed away about four years ago as well. And he taught me everything I know about morning radio. And you want to hear something? It used to be, Stephanie, we would have, I would sit there some days and go, why does God have me with this man? Because sometimes I would be mad at him about certain things or I would look and I now know, and I thank him all the time. I thank God. I thank Doug Banks all the time because I learned how to do morning radio from one of the best. So. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. I, you know what? When I listen to you describe why they're so influential to you, I pick up on so much. I pick up on the strength. I pick I pick up on just the discipline that all three of them had mm -hmm. and just the endurance. And then also just the fact that um, the encouragement that they gave you, mm -hmm. um, because, you know, just being a woman in radio is probably just such a rare, it's such a rare feat. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't think of too many women that I know who are um, the queen of radio or who actually have a successful radio show. I mean, syndicated and right. usually it's male dominated male. Mm -hmm. And um, the fact that those two men poured into you just says a lot about oh, yeah. who they are and so on. Yeah. 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 I'm, I've been very blessed. And again, they, they are considered two of the best in, in 
Black radio. Yeah. 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 Look, legends. 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 Yep. legends. All right. So, you know, what do you think your unique skills are that has helped, you know, what are your unique skills that has helped you become successful? Um, I think early on, I, what was, what helped me was, um, well, being silly, <laughs> being silly, having a sense of humor, um, having uh, at one point, no filter and not being afraid helped me, you know, and, and not being afraid to say some of the craziest things and not being afraid of people misconstruing it or, or not understanding. I didn't care. I was just trying to just have fun. That's all that mattered. Um, and I think that right there has helped me. And I think, I think ambition, I didn't realize that's what it was. It was ambition and, and whatever fueled it. And I have uh, my, my theories about that. I think a lot of it has to do with um, sometimes not feeling either um, accepted or not feeling worthy can, can make you do things and say, you're going to, you're going to see my worth or you're going to know me or you're going to know my name. Right. And whatever it was, I had that. And that was that ambition. It, it, it was there. Um, Look, and truthfully, I mean, I ain't trying to say this because you're here because you're the pastor's wife, but God has been on my side all my life, Amen. like all my life. It's just I used to say that to my grandmother. But why me? You know, I used to go and visit my grandmother and I used to always say to her, why me, Nana? And she would say, why not? Don't question it. Yeah. Why not? Listen, y'all. OK, so we had this scheduled for like 30 minutes, but we talked for like an hour before we got on here. And one thing that uh, Dee, Dee talked about um, that I kind of want to share with y'all is just her what her mom encouraged her to do. Like, you know, we are she, you know, she already told us that her mom was very influential in her life. But one thing her mom told her to do was just not to settle. And mm-hmm. like they keep setting goals. And I think that just that just speaks to that strong black mother. And I think I think about my own mom. They taught us, I know this might be my mom, but I think this is everybody's mom. If you are 40 plus, this is mm-hmm. your mom told you this. Now you have your own money. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you, have, you have some on the side, but you don't depend on no man. You make sure you get your you have to. You and have to. And all that. And I just remember that conversation. Now because she just really put that in my head, it kind of messed up my first couple of years of marriage because I kept feeling like, now listen, I, I don't submit to anybody. Now this submission thing, what are you, what are you talking about? You, I don't have a father. Like, who are you? Yep. <laughs> so, but I wanted to share that because your mom reminds me so much of my mom and just their strength. And I feel like that's just that black woman mom slash. Yeah. Isn't it, you know, um, I, I used to say, you know, I, I was going to write a book called my mama said, because <laughs> you know, our moms <laughs> say so many amazing things. And a girlfriend of mine told me something that her mom said. Right. And I said, and it has stuck with me. And she said her mom would always say to she and her sister, Tori and Nikki, no matter where you are, take your seat. If that doesn't speak volumes, right? When, when somebody said, take your yeah. seat, meaning you belong, you're going to always, and no matter what, take your seat, no matter where you go. Yeah, that's good right there. Take Isn't your it? I love that. I love mm-hmm. that. That's awesome. Look, that could be your book for real. I know it. I know it. I love it. I, you know what? I, one day, one day. Oh, geez. Somebody came to me recently to do that and to do a book. And I said, OK, I will. And then I got sidetracked because I, I realized this about myself, too, that I am a uh, one track. I'm like this. I cannot multitask. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. not good at it. Okay. But listen, I'm serious. That's your book. Take your seat. Because yeah. 
everything. That fixed your whole life right there. Take your seat. You took your seat in radio. You took your seat where other women could not take their seat. And then you're bringing other people along with it. Girl, better write that book. I like that. All right. I'm going to put that down. Okay. I like it though. Isn't that great? I love that. Now, listen, my last question is, you know, what have you read or listened to recently that has inspired you? Um, let's see. The Richest Man in Babylon I recently read. Um, I just read The Alchemist over um, Christmas and pretty much my birthday. And I read something, the last three books, uh, Make Your Bed. And the Make Your Bed is um, by a Navy SEAL, a guy. I can't think of his name. And um, I'm a huge reader, by the way. I used to really read a lot. I always told people I used to be really, really interesting at one point. Um, but those those last three I read pretty much over the Christmas break that we had. And they're very small. They're tiny. But the Make Your Bed probably was the, the best because basically it's a guy who is describing that in life and and in your day or whatever it is, making your bed something that simple can set your whole day in motion. Or, and it just means you're accomplishing some. The first thing in the morning, make your bed. And then at that point, you can accomplish, accomplish so much more. It's just, it's something about that and getting back into that bed that you made, you know, that morning and that night you feel like I've done something, I've accomplished something. I've, yeah, that book is amazing. Make your bed. That is, that is amazing. Look, that makes so much sense, though, because like right now, my bed is not made, but I did mm-hmm. clean my kitchen today. So, right. yeah, that's that's. But if you make your bed, I swear it's something like and I started doing this. And again, I read this um, and it's it. I got the book from um, the the guy that syndicates us, the owner of the company that syndicates um, the show. He uh-huh. sent it to all, everybody. And it was something that simple. Um, he was trying to give everybody hope during this time through this pandemic and everything. And he was just kind of basically saying, that's what making your bed is the hope for the day. It's, it's, it's setting goals. It's the first thing you accomplish. And again, when you, and for some reason he's right, when I make my bed and I've been doing it since I read that book for the last two months, I'm able to get a lot more accomplished in a day. I really can. Well, listen, I am definitely going to try that because I feel like sometimes just the weight of the pandemic and just everything around you and so on and just the routine and how you kind of wish of a routine to go back to what it was. I think that's a nice reminder of, hey, go you. Here's your first step making Mm -hmm. it to like to start your day. So, yeah, yeah, that that's that's very helpful. That's very helpful. Yeah. Get that book. It's good. Those are the last three books I've read in the last couple of months. That's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. stuff. now, uh, so Didi, we know we can hear you. If you're in the Dallas area, we listen to you on K104 and so mm-hmm. on. But how else can we keep in touch with you or follow you on IG? Um, you know, of course, social media, Didi in the morning. Uh, there's that. I'm working on an app now so that we can get the Didi in the morning app out there. Because as we realize that the show being in these different cities, sometimes they don't have an app. So we got to create that. So I'm doing that right now. So you have that. And um, you could listen to us though on TuneIn if you don't, you know, if you can find that and then that's it. <laughs> Look, that's good stuff. And then, um, of course, you have a foundation. You want to tell us mm-hmm. about your foundation? Well, initially when I kicked it off, it was... Um, this is so interesting, Sue, because when I first did it, I did a, a women's luncheon and we raised about $10,000 and I gave 5000 to Girls Inc. and 5000 to Dress for Success Dallas. And everybody kept saying to me, Didi, you need to do a foundation. And I said, well, I'm not going to do it if it's not sincere. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it. Here's another one. I know you're going to be like, Didi. A lot of people would say that about me. But I remember saying and praying to God that I needed it to be organic and I wanted him to help me. You know, I was like, just help me. What is it I'm supposed to do? Right. 
And I was looking, I was talking to a girlfriend of mine who was going back to school. She adopted a little girl and she said to me, she said, I want my daughter to see me accomplish something and finish something because she didn't finish. And I thought that was so great. So she was going back to school and I was talking to another friend who was going back to, going back to school to get her bachelor to finish it. And I was looking at my mom who went back to school. I told you she was 16 having kids. She went back to school and everything. Um, and it was so, I was a kid watching her do this. And I thought to myself, and something just hit me one day. I said, nobody ever gives money to women whose college education, like mine, got derailed for some reason or another early on. You know, I was 18, 19 years old when 19, when I couldn't go back up to TWU, right? And nobody ever looks out for them. Nobody ever says, well, because that's still young. Think about it. You're 19 or 20. Nobody gives you a second chance. They say, oh, you mess up in college. You don't have this, the money. You're done. So I created the foundation to, to really help educate and give money to women who wanted to go back to school, who wanted to get a better job. And what I had found as I started looking at them went, well, normally when the mom is educated, the children will be educated. If she's making more money, she's going to move out of a certain neighborhood, right? So it was like the whole family got to benefit when that woman was educated. Well, they always say you, you educate a, a girl or a woman, you educate the world almost, right? Or a community. And so I initially, just so you know, I initially, that's what I did. The Dee McGuire Foundation focused on the Dee Dee's Do-Over Scholarship for women to go back to school. But the pandemic hit yeah. and the need became greater. I started seeing the need and you know, I always tell people I'm blessed. It's very seldom that I'll do something and I'll tell somebody, don't, you don't have to pay me to do this or that. I mean, I'm blessed. I'm taken care of. I'm not greedy. Greed is something I just, uh. um, mm -hmm. so the need became bigger. I started doing the stuff with, um, the voter registration, got the mask. Cause we started seeing that now we're doing, um, scholarships. We just gave out, um, scholarships for black history month. We gave out $2,500 scholarships to HBCUs. Um, we're, we did some teamed up with Minnie's Food Pantry, make sure we could get water to people who were affected. So I'm realizing we switched it. We had to, we, I, I now have shifted the focus to include community and family with the foundation because the need is just too great to just focus on one. Yeah. So that's and, where we are. And I, I think any, anybody in Dallas in our community will say that that's the one thing that they love about K104 and they love about you is that you guys are constantly giving back to the community. community. Everybody on your morning team is always, they're somewhere at a school or they're- yeah, Lady J, that's my girl. And she the is- yeah, you guys are everywhere just in being seen in the community. And so it's just it's just appreciative and just know that everyone is cheering for you. Oh, and thank cheering you. For um just the morning show and it is like it's kind of like this. You know, you hear some women are very competitive and they're not going to share or they're not going to do this. But I think one thing that we can appreciate for you is that you are setting such a precedence for just the young ladies and the future generations coming behind you that they see they can be like, well, I heard her growing up. And so I know I can do that. And yep. I want to be in that role. Um, you know, representation is so huge. Yeah for them to see that. So I just want to thank you as just as a mom and then also just as a part of just Dallas and just seeing how awesome you are. But mm -hmm. I wanted to always end my podcast by praying for um for the person I have and so I would love to pray for you oh. and close this out. Okay. All right. So Father God, I just come to you right now just thanking you for Didi Lord. I just 
pray for a hedge of protection around her and her family, Lord. We thank you for just how she not only represents us, but she represents the community and just how she pours in and she has just a heart for the community. Um, Lord, we just ask for a hedge of protection around her family, Lord. Guard her marriage, Lord. I ask for just, and when I say guard her marriage, just that they have their date nights, that they have their vacations, and that they spend time together, Lord. I pray for her mother. I thank you for just her influence on her life. Lord, I just thank you for her friends that she can kick it with and that it's a safe place and she can be herself, Lord. I just thank you for just how you've created her to be the person that you have her to be, Lord. We just thank you. We honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Girl, that was good. <laughs> you know what? You sound like my grandma. My grandmother used to say, and I still say that to this day, too. Put a hedge around. My grandmother used to say that all the time. Listen, that hedge protection, dude, that, I just, I believe Man. that because it is, it's just, look, COVID is real. Yep. The world is real. Because once we leave outside of our four doors, of our, yep. I mean, our door of our home, which I consider our home to be such a safe place, it is like open season and mm -hmm. you know sometimes even like before i have to go into the church or um or even into target i have mm -hmm. to say a prayer because i have to guard myself and it'd be i mean i'm not doing no 10 minute prayer just right. like lord, lord hold my tongue today lord i'm about to walk into this meeting right right strength lord and yeah i i i yeah friend i I, so I admire you. I know it's not easy, and but just know that we appreciate you. And well, thank you, thank you so much. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know what? I love this. I love talking to you. I wish you know what? I wish people could have heard our conversation off the off the air, I, kind I of, right? Because like <laughs> it was just so real and wonderful yeah. and refreshing and awesome. Awesome. You are wonderful. You're so wonderful. Oh. I swear. I love you. I just think look, we're we're fangirling over each other. <laughs> Listen, look. Next time, like as soon as this pandemic is over, we have to get together and go from the yep. good front. All right, there you go. I love it. All right, girl. Thank you. Thank I know you got work to do. I'm gonna go. My dog's crying. All right. Bye. Okay.